This episode of Lex Out Loud is brought to you by my patrons, readers, and listeners. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, visit LexStarWalker.com slash support. You're listening to episode 70 of Lex Out Loud, writing science fiction. I'm your host, Lex Starwalker. This show is a chronicle of my journey as a science fiction novelist. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am Lex Starwalker, and I am out loud coming at you for another episode, second episode of season four, episode 70. Really great to be back and uh, getting back into the swing of things, uh, not only with this podcast, but but with my writing. So I'm really excited to talk to you today, kind of give you an update on uh, what I've been up to. So spring is hopefully coming soon. It's It's been really nice here um, the last week or so. Had a lot of nice sunny days. It's been cold, but uh, nice and sunny. So so that's nice. And uh, I, am, I am really, really looking forward to spring. Um, winters aren't bad here in, uh, in Washington. Not bad at all, especially not compared to, to what I'm used to back in the Midwest. But... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for longer days, more sunlight, um, warmer weather, all those good things. We're getting settled into our new condo, just really enjoying it here in our new home. The majority of the unpacking has been done at this point. Uh, my wife started putting her art up on the walls last weekend, so it's really starting to look and and feel like home here. I apologize about my voice. I feel like I'm I'm losing my voice. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. Spring is coming, so so my allergies have been going crazy lately. But uh I guess that's the price I pay for for better weather. As far as what I've been doing lately, as far as like kind of creative inlets, creative input, um been enjoying some really great TV lately. Had kind of a dry spell there for a while where it didn't seem like there was much to watch. Uh, that was new and and that we liked. But uh, that seems to be over. There's been a lot of great stuff to watch lately, so much so that we're behind and not keeping up on things. So I was very pleasantly surprised by The Last of Us on, on HBO. We're a little late to that party. We just started watching that a week or so ago. I was a little resistant to watching it just because I I played the game. So it's like... A, I, I played the game. I already know the story. You know, unless they do something really different than what happened in the game, I'm going to know everything that's going to happen. I already know how it ends. And B, I just, you know, in the past, in my opinion, movies and TV shows made from video games, which is more often than not, aren't that great. And for three, The Last of Us is kind of sort of a zombie story. And I'm not a fan of zombies at all. I, I don't care for them. So I wasn't really, you know, I figured I'd check it out at some point, but it definitely wasn't on my to-watch list or anything like that. But I, I think it was my wife that kind of wanted to, to check it out. 
So we we tried it and I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, I expected it to be decent. Just I mean, I mean the story of The Last of Us the video game is so good. It it seems hard to imagine that they could, you know, <laughs> do such a poor job of adapting it to the screen that it that it wouldn't at least be decent. Um but I was very very pleasantly surprised with it. Um it's really very well done, you know, great directing, great acting, great casting. Um, they really found great actors to play these characters. And um, we haven't finished the the first season yet. I think we got a, an episode or two to, to watch that, that have come out. Um, but so far, it's, it's been really great. Um, there have been some really great moments and I've enjoyed every episode and, and really impressed with it. And I'm definitely in it for the long haul, definitely going to keep watching it. We've also been enjoying the new season of Star Trek Picard. That just started coming out a couple weeks ago, I think. And uh, yeah, um, I think this may be one of my favorites, if not my favorite season uh, of the show. Um, just going by by what's been happening so far. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I got to say for anyone else who's watching Picard and and keeping up, I mean, no spoilers... But uh, I'm actually a fan of Captain Shaw. I like him. I mean, yeah, he's kind of a dick. But uh, as far as him as a captain, I like him. And I think, you know, every decision he's made, I've kind of been with him. You know, like looking at it from his point of view as a guy just trying to do his job and uh, keep the 500 and some people under his command safe. I, you know, I think he's been making right calls. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of Team Shaw. I I kind of like him. I'm I'm curious to see uh, what happens next with that. But uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't say anything more than that. And so if you if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But let's just say that Captain Shaw. Uh, one of the reasons I like him is that he kind of breaks the mold of what we've seen in the past as far as Starfleet captains. He's not the you know, run-of-the-mill Starfleet captain that you're used to seeing. He's a little different. So uh, I, I've been enjoying him and enjoying the show. Looking forward to seeing uh, how they close it out. Just found out yesterday that uh, the the fifth season of Discovery is going to be the last one, um, which this may make me unpopular, but personally, I, I think that was the right call. I, I feel like that show's been losing steam for a while. Um, just lacking in direction, it, you know, I, I'm sure it's by design, you know, I'm sure it's intentional, but, but the kind of every season of that show, they do something different. And at least to me, especially the last couple seasons, it just feels like they're, they just don't know where they're going with it. And it just seems very, um, kind of haphazard and all over the place. And, and I've never appreciated how they have lacked or how they have failed to develop some of the characters that have been on that show since the very first episode. Um, some of the characters on the bridge of the Discovery, uh, we still know practically nothing about them. Um, they've really focused on just a handful of characters and have even developed newer characters that have recently come on the show in recent seasons more than they have some of these original characters you know, and compare that to a show like Star Trek Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, where, you know, both of those shows or even Voyager, which I'm not a huge Voyager fan, but even Voyager, all three of those shows and Enterprise, all four of those shows did a far better job of introducing 
all of their characters in the first episode <laughs> Discovery has done over four going on five seasons. So that's just a, a little beef of mine with the show. There are some really fantastic things about that show. It, there are some things about it I've really enjoyed, really liked. You know, without it, we wouldn't have Strange New Worlds, which I is probably my favorite of the new Star Trek shows. So, you know, thanks to Discovery for that. It shows definitely had its moments where where it's been really cool. But then there have been other things about it that uh, weren't so great and, and some questionable decisions creatively, I think. But, um, and, and the whole, ever since they went way in the future, I've just not been on board with it. Um, I mean, I don't know what they could have done, honestly, but just adding programmable matter to me doesn't do enough to say that they're that far in the future. And, and again, it, it just feels kind of half-baked and not well thought out. You know, I, I kind of wondered about that as soon as it was became clear that they were going way in the future. Like, seemed like a questionable decision. And I was really wondering how they were going to realize this new future. And I guess the, the result has been less than satisfying, at least to me personally. But yeah, so they're they're ending that after one more season. I guess for some reason, we're not going to get that until 2024. Not that I'm really waiting on it, but um, that's a really long time for, for fans of Discovery to have to wait. But what are you going to do? And uh, we've also been watching BattleBots recently. Kind of, I don't know, missed, missed the memo somehow that there was a new season of that. So we're getting caught up. And, uh, you know, BattleBots is always loads of fun and uh, really been enjoying the the new season. As far as what I've been up to writing-wise, I'm I'm still querying agents. At, at this part, I've queried four, getting ready to query the fifth uh, this next Monday, and then uh, going to pick up the pace with the agent querying. I've been doing one a week. I'm going to pick it up to about one a, one a, one or two a day. So I'm going to do uh, I'm going to shoot for five to ten queries a week going forward. So yeah, um, I'm going to try to stick with this uh, this new format I came up with for the show. Although I, I'm already having thoughts about changing it up yet again. I'm not sure when that'll happen, if, if I'll have that worked out for next episode or not. But uh, for today, I'm going to try and stick with the, uh, the new structure as best I can. Um, so yeah, that's kind of an update on, uh, on what I've been up to since the last time you heard from me. Uh, So let's move on with the show and talk about our uh, writing tip for this week. All right. So this week I I have another writing tip for you and... uh, Already, I'm I'm changing my mind on what I want to do with this because, you know, I've I've said quite a few times before in the show how I don't want to try to teach you writing on this show, mostly because there are people better qualified to do that than me. Uh, sorry about that. If there is some noise in the background uh, for the fa- past few minutes or so, uh, the heater was running. Um, I usually turn off the heater in here because it's really loud uh, when I'm recording, and I forgot. And I wear noise-canceling headphones, so I, I didn't hear it. Uh, I heard it in the recording. I'm like, what is that noise? Um, so yeah, it's off now, so it should be better. So sorry about that. Um, what was I even talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was talking about um, 
the writing tips and, and how I don't want this show to be me trying to teach you how to write because there are people far more qualified to do that who, who are already doing or have done that. Um, and that's not really what I want to do anyway. Um, so I realized <laughs> that trying to do a writing tip every week, it, it's going to turn into that pretty quickly. Um, so I think um, my, my, I'm going to shift the focus of this a little bit in the future to, I mean, it'll probably still boil down to a writing tip a lot of times, but uh, I'm going to approach it more as something I've learned. Um, you know, ideally something I've learned recently, like since the last episode, if possible. But but something I've learned uh, that I'm applying to my writing that that I can share with you that, you know, maybe maybe you'll benefit from it too. Um, so, so hopefully if I'd approach it that way, it'll sound a little less like me thinking I'm qualified to teach you how to write better. Um, but that's for the future. For today, I do have an actual tip for you. And this is going to follow uh, the theme that I established last week. Last week, I talked about um, writing simple sentences, which is to say writing sentences with a simple structure of subject, verb, object. And so following in that theme today, my tip is to, in addition to writing simple sentences, to write short sentences. Um, so once again, I am going to uh, pull a little bit from the Query Shark blog, which if you are a writer like me who is going to be querying or, or are querying agents, um, this is a great blog for you to check out um, that will be a huge help to you, as it has been to me, I am sure. Um, but this is another thing that, that Query Shark talks about quite a bit on her blog is writing short sentences, not only in the query, but also in your novel. Um, so here's an example of what not to do. Facing the end of college and the impending threat of real-world responsibilities, four friends jump at one last chance for a life of freedom and debauchery when one of them returns from South America with the exotic goalie fruit, a little green confection that alone does nothing, but when consumed with a generic brand of cereal flakes, gives them the greatest hallucinogenic high the world has ever known. And that, my friends, was all one sentence. If you're confused, if you're lost, join the club. So am I. Because that is, A, <laughs> way too long of a sentence. And B, uh, was not written well or punctuated well. I mean, you can make a paragraph-long sentence that makes sense and is a joy to read and people can follow. Um, this was not one of those. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you saw through that why, uh, you know, long sentences are not your friend. Oftentimes. So, Query Shark says, I'm a very big believer in starting with the subject of the sentence, then the verb. If convoluted you must be, the place to start is not the sentence you place first. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But yeah, um, so this is, again, kind of getting back to what we were talking about last week about, you know, subject, verb, object. But, but also, you know, in addition to the simple structure, keeping it um, short, keeping your sentences short, you know, your reader should not forget what the beginning of the sentence was about by the time they reach the end of the sentence. If they, if they do, then the sentence is too long. Here's another example. 
But when her x-rays and pathology slides vanish, she is convinced that she has been the victim of a cover-up and a lucrative scheme to justify unnecessary surgery that she now feels took the life of one of her young patients months later. Oh, or months earlier. Sorry, I, I was running out of air because there is no punctuation in all of that. There was not one single comma. There should have been some commas, uh, if not some periods and new sentences. Um, so yeah, not, not great. Uh, that last sentence, there were 43 words. Corey Shark says, uh, too many by half. So I talk a lot about clarity in writing, and clarity is very important. I believe our first job as writers is to communicate. You know, even before we're there to entertain, we're there to communicate. Because if you don't understand the story, you're not going to be entertained by the story. If your writing isn't clear, if it's hard or impossible to understand or to follow then you are not communicating well. However, there's another aspect of this that's just as important. In addition to communicating well and, and being understood, and that other aspect is immersion. So when it comes to commercial fiction, at least, but I'd argue this is true with any kind of fiction, but when it comes to commercial fiction, you want the reader as immersed in the story as possible. You want them to feel like they're in the story, like they're living it, like it's happening around them. Anything that breaks reader immersion is something that we want to avoid. And a sentence that you have to read multiple times to parse does exactly that. It breaks your immersion because now you're no longer experiencing the story. You're no longer captivated by the story or immersed in the story. You're trying to figure out what this block of text is trying to say to you. And that destroys immersion. Anytime the reader has to interrupt the flow of your story, whether it's to reread a sentence they don't understand or to go find some relevant piece of information from earlier in the story they've forgotten or to look up a word they don't understand, etc. Anytime the reader has to stop the flow of the story to do something like that, you lose immersion. Anytime immersion is lost is a time that the reader may put your book down and may never pick it up again, right? I mean, anytime they put the book down, there's a chance they won't pick it up again. And if part of the reason they put the book down is because they had lost immersion and they were confused or they were, you know, distracted looking in their dictionary or whatever, um, those are chances they may not pick it up again. So, you know, something that, that's been coming to my mind more lately is that I should not be in the business of writing a book. I am not in the business of writing a book. I'm in the business of writing many books, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you just want to write a book and publish a book just to say you've done it, you know, that's great. But, but if you want to make a career as a writer, um, you're not going to do that writing one book. You, you need to write many books. So, you know, sure, a reader buying my book is awesome. Um, a reader reading my book is awesome. But I also want them to finish the book. Um, in addition to buying it, in addition to reading it, I want them to finish it. And once they've finished it, I want them to want to read the next book and the book after that and so on. So immersion is critically important. Finally, there's rhythm to consider as well. So, you know, the reason I'm here today saying avoid long sentences and, and, you know, again, 
that there are no absolutes. So when I'm saying avoid long sentences, I'm not saying never write long sentences. I'm saying long sentences are a tool in your t- toolbox and, and it's a tool that should be used uh, with intention, with discretion, and and sparingly, and, and only when dramatically appropriate, right? So the problems with long sentences, in addition to being hard to understand and hard to remember what you're talking about, in addition to breaking immersion, is they're not very rhythmic. You know, rhythm is really important in in fiction. And short sentences can really improve the rhythm of your writing. They're quick, they're punchy, they're snappy. They can be used for great to great effect and for impact, especially when you're contrasting them with longer sentences. So, you know, again, the 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 advice or or the the key here isn't to never use long sentences or to only use short sentences, but but rather to use a blend, a variety of lengths of sentences, uh, complex complexities of sentences. So you know, some of your sentences are short, some are longer, some are simple, some are more complex. Um, you you want a variety, but if you're gonna like if you're gonna map the types of sentences in your book, if you're wanting to write commercial fiction. Um, I would think that the, you know, the biggest peak on that map should be shorter, simpler sentences, right? You know, if if you're going to have more of a certain type of sentences, you want to have more shorter sentences, more simpler sentences, and and be a little more reserved with the really long sentences and the really complex sentences. You know, really save those for the moments when they're they're really going to shine, and you know, a big part of that is this idea of rhythm and the idea of contrast. You know, if you have a paragraph uh, that's made up of, of maybe some longer sentences, some some medium length sentences, and then after that, you you have a, a really short sentence, you know, that, that short sentence can have a, a lot of impact. I always think about music like this. It, it, it's similar music, right? Like in music, good music has contrast. Um, a lot of times we talk about this when it comes to di- dynamics, how how loud or how soft music is. A, a good piece of music, whether it's a, a piece of classical music or jazz or even pop music, has contrast. It's not just loud or one volume for the whole song, right? Like there are soft parts and there are louder parts. And the contrast of those two is where you get some of the the drama of the music, right? The, when you have a, a loud part followed by a really soft part, it makes the loud part seem louder. And then when you have a loud part come after a really soft part, it makes the soft part seem softer and, and so on. So it's the same kind of thing with writing with the structures of your sentences when you're talking about more complex versus simpler senses, sentences or in the length of your sentence when you're talking about Shorter sentences versus longer sentences. So, you know, ideally, you don't want all long sentences. You don't all want, you don't want all short sentences either. Variety is key so that you can have that contrast and so that you can, you know, draw attention to that short sentence when it, when it comes and, and it can really give your writing some pop. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my advice and, and Query Shark's advice uh, for this week. 
Write short sentences. So what I wanted to talk about today, other than writing short sentences, <laughs> uh, is I wanted to share with you a a milestone that, that I have hit. This is a pretty, pretty big deal, I feel like, for me personally. Uh, I have received my first rejection. And by rejection, I mean a rejection from a literary agent. Um, first of many, I'm sure. Uh, but it's it's kind of a cool milestone. Uh, my first time querying agents with a novel and uh, I've gotten my first response in, in the form of a form rejection, which is to say I got a form letter from this agent, you know, the copy pasted, you know, letter that uh, they send out to tell people that that they're not interested in the thing that you sent them or it's not for them or or whatever. Um, so, you know, that's par for the course, uh, as a writer, you know, whether you're trying to publish a novel or short fiction or whatever, uh, you're going to get a lot of rejections, whether that's from agents or from publishers or, or whatever. And most of those are going to be, well, actually I was going to say most of them are going to be form rejections, but unfortunately these days, I think most of them are actually going to be, uh, rejections in the form of you just never hear anything and eventually get to the point that you assume you've been rejected. Um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like you ask a girl out on a date and instead of saying yes or no, she just doesn't answer you ever. <laughs> and eventually enough time goes by without an answer that you're like, yeah, obviously she doesn't want to go out with me because if she did, surely she would have told me by now, right? So it's kind of like that. You know, these agents, they are so busy and they get so many submissions that they don't have the time or the energy or the will or the desire or whatever, depending on the agent, uh, to actually even send you a form, you know, copy-pasted response saying they're not interested. So they just won't respond at all. Now, the ones that are a bit better about this will at least give you a window um, for instance, one of the agents I'm submitting to, I believe it's uh, eight weeks. So he says on his website, he's like, hey, if you don't hear back from me in eight weeks, you can assume that um, I'm not interested. And the reason this is important other than, you know, just so that you can go on with your life and, and quit wondering if this person's ever going to get back to you. Um, the reason it's important is... Because you, you can run into things where if you have an agent who is interested and maybe they ask for your full manuscript, um, a lot of times agents uh, want some kind of exclu exclusivity, <laughs> if I could say it right, um, at that point or, or maybe at a later point. Um, so there may come a point where you may have an agent who's interested um, but they don't want you submitting to other agents while they make up their mind. And so when you're in a situation like that, it's nice to know, you know, if you have some agent that you sent your thing to, you know, four months ago, uh, it's nice to know that you're not going to hear back from them and you can just assume 
that uh, they don't want it if you're in a situation like that. So so it is nice, and, and also just, you know, for your own peace of mind and sanity, it is nice when they, if they're not going to get back to you, if if they give you some kind of window, like, you know, hey, if you haven't heard back from me in this amount of time, uh, you can assume I'm not interested and in, in go submit elsewhere. Um, of course, it's even better when when you actually hear hear back from them. So at this point, I have, as I said at the top of the show, I've I've submitted to four agents. Um, now, one of those I just submitted earlier this week. So you know, it, it it's probably fairly unusual to hear from an agent within a week, uh, unless they just love what you're doing and they they want your your manuscript. Um, so you know. I, I don't even count that one, but but of the other three that that I've submitted more than a week ago, uh, of those three, I've only heard from from the one, um, which was actually the the second agent I submitted to. There's one I submitted to way back in January that I still haven't heard anything from, and at this point, I'm assuming he's not interested. Um, although you never know, I could hear from him in the future, and you know, you never know. But but as far as that goes, I'm at this point I'm assuming he's not interested because he's had it for over 40 days at this point. I don't remember how many days, but it's over 40. Um so yeah, you know, this is my first one, first of many, I am sure. I have a quote from a writer. I th- I think I shared this on the show before, might have even been last episode. Uh, and I'll paraphrase because I don't remember it word for word, but it's something along the lines of, you know, the people who are successful as writers are the people who have submitted to hundreds of agents, not dozens. So yeah, it, it's, it's a process, but I got, I got my first rejection. So yeah, milestone achieved achievement unlocked. <laughs> I'm wondering if I should start collecting them, maybe, maybe print them out on paper. Cause, cause this was, you know, through email, um, print them out on paper and put them on a, on a nail on my wall, like Stephen King, see if I can get so many that they make the nail fall out. Like what happened to him? Maybe I'll do that. Um, I probably will just cause why not? <laughs> so yeah, that happened. Um, I've been using a query tracker to, to keep track of all this, uh, which has been very nice. Um, definitely a lot easier than making my own spreadsheet, which would have been the other way to to keep track of all these queries that I'm going to be sending out. I also, since last time I I talked to you, uh, I discovered a feature of Query Tracker I wasn't aware of, where um, kind of each agent on there, the, the Query Tracker kind of has like a profile forum where you learn more about the agent, and as part of that, users of Query Tracker can leave comments about a given agent and pretty much what, what people do with this is they will leave a comment saying when they queried the agent and what they queried them with, you know, what genre, how many pages, that kind of thing. And then, uh, when they heard back from them and what they heard back from them. So it's nice because it gives you an idea with a given agent of how long people are waiting before they get some kind of a response. Um, and then some of these comments, people will actually copy-paste in the response they actually get from the agent. So this uh, agent that I got a response from, she is one where people had done this 
And so that is how I know 100% for sure that I got a uh, a form rejection because it's word for word exactly the same as the rejections that other people got. So that's really nice. I mean, I would know anyway. You can kind of tell. Like it's so generic and whatever, you know. I, I would have assumed anyway that it was a form rejection, but I might have wondered, right? I might have been like, well, maybe she wrote this just for me. I, I don't know. Maybe she did. I don't know. But now I know, nope, I know for sure that it's a form rejection because it's word for word exactly the same as what these other people got. So that's that's really nice. And and another feature of, of Query Tracker that it's just a really useful tool. Um they have a, I'm using the free version, um, which lets you do all this. It's very helpful. Um, they have a paid version and it's only $25 a year for it. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it. it. It's just a question of when. Um, you get some more tools. Uh, you can do more filtering when you're searching for agents. It it allows you to uh, keep track of numerous projects if you're querying, you know, more than one thing at once, which, you know, once I finish this next book, I'll be querying two books. So um, I'll definitely be getting the paid version of Query Tracker at that point, if not before. But I'll probably be getting it within the next few weeks just because, you know, I have kind of a top five agents I want to query. There are actually seven, but but two of them or no, were there eight? There were seven or eight, but but a few of them are not accepting queries right now. Um, so I have five kind of top agents that I want to query. And then after that, I'm going to start casting a wider net. And that's when I'm going to start doing a query a day, at least, or maybe two a day. Um, so when I get to that point, and, and I start going through these hundreds, literally hundreds of agents... I mean, it'll be really nice to have those advanced um, filtering and search tools to uh, find the the agents I want to query. So, so yeah, maybe I'll, I'll give you an update on Query Tracker once I get the paid version, what I think of it. But but so far, I've been very impressed with it um, to the point that I think uh, anyone querying novels or even nonfiction, I think, uh, should be using Query Tracker because it's just a great tool and and you know it's free. Why not? Why not use it? So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'll get going uh, trying to do five to 10 agents a week. And, and what I'm thinking I'll do is do a query a day, maybe two a day. Um, so the idea is, you know, I'll, I'll query an agent and then and then write. And then if I, if I can swing it to where I can query two agents each day and still have plenty of time to write, then, then that's what I'll do. Um, last time I did the search on Query Tracker... Um, and with the free version, I can basically just search by genre. That's the only filter I get is, is genre. Um, so I, well, well, no, I can't really, I can't filter by country, but it shows me the country. So I kind of have to manually filter by country. So once I found all the agents on Query Tracker who, uh, represent sci-fi and are here in the U.S., and then subtracted the ones I've already queried, uh, there were 130-some. And I also have some market books uh, and some magazines that may have additional agents that aren't in the Query Tracker database that I need to go through, which is uh, on the to-do list for for next week. Um, 
So I'm not sure how many more I'll get from that, but but I'll have a th- 130 plus agents to query yet. So if I can do 10 a week, that's 13 or so weeks to get through those, which that's not too bad. And then once, you know, I query every agent I can find, then then I can just focus on writing again and and not worry about having to query as well. Or at least until I get the next book ready to go. So yeah, I'm hoping I can get kind of a rhythm going with that, like a daily rhythm of, you know, query an agent or two and then work on my novel and and just do that every day and just make it a routine. And uh, if I can do that, then, you know, 13 or so weeks, I'll, I'll go through my list of agents and I'll have queried everybody under the sun or at least everybody in the U.S. under the sun who uh, will look at sci-fi and uh, I'll be well on my way to my next novel. Um, I'm, I'm really happy right now because there have been so many distractions and just life things uh, getting in the way lately with moving and everything else that's been going on. Um, and and I'm, I'm getting really psyched now because those things are falling away one by one. They're just dropping off and there is less and less in the way between me and, and what I want to do. So I'm really looking forward to having more energy and more time and more mental bandwidth to devote to my writing. Um, the, the move is done. We're moved. Uh, all of the big jobs involved with that are, are done now. Um, our final thing is this coming Monday. I'm, I'm recording this on Friday yet again. Um, this next Monday, our lease on the apartment we had before is finally up. So Monday we go in and we give them our keys and we are finally done with that place. And oh my God, oh my God, I could go on a rant about this awful apartment we lived in in, in Mill Creek, Washington, but I won't. Um, but oh boy, could I. But uh, yeah, it'll be such a relief to uh, walk away from that place for the last time, let me tell you. And uh, so yeah, that'll be that'll be done on Monday. Um we got all the the major repairs and and things we had to deal with in the new condo taken care of now. Um, you know, I've I've got a good handle on the querying. Uh, as far as other things that that have kind of been getting in the way, um, kind of psychological and health stuff. I, I've got my my anxiety much more under control now than it's ever been my entire life. Uh, thanks to the meds I'm on now, things are going great there. Uh, I think that's going to make a lot things a lot easier. I, I mean, I've never written a novel without the anxiety hanging over my head every step of the way. I'm, I'm really curious to see how much easier it is without that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got a CPAP now. Uh, so I've got the, the the sleep apnea taken care of. I'm getting much better sleep and rest now. I'm finally getting caught up on who knows how many years of, of poor sleep. Um, and I mean, that can only help the creativity, right? I mean, sleep is so important uh, when it comes to creativity. So I feel like I'm really ready to, to hit the ground running um, with this next book. And I think I'm really going to be in a much better place um, psychologically and, and physically, you know, health-wise uh, than I've ever been writing this next book. So, so I'm really, I'm really excited and, and really hoping I can, I can take things to the le- next level. 
I'm returning to the same setting and characters that I used in the last book. So a lot of the groundwork is laid already. You know, a lot of the work I, I had to do for the last novel has already been done for this novel. The, a lot of the world building's done. I've got characters. I've got setting ready to go. So I can focus on, you know, developing the setting and the characters more adding more to the setting and the characters, focusing in on, you know, what are the conflicts and the situations for this book going to be? What are they going to have to deal with and overcome? And I can really focus on that because a lot of the other work is has already been done. But that said, I am going back to the drawing board a bit on, on this book. I have some ideas for it that I think I'll, I'll end up using, but it, it needs some fleshing out. I, I have... This one idea that I've had for for a long time for this book that I was thinking was going to be kind of the main the main plot or the main element of the book. And now I'm thinking I still want to do it, but I'm thinking it's going to be much more of a of a tertiary element or like a, a subplot of the book. It, it's just I, I don't want to go into spoilers, but it's just uh something I'm I'm not as interested in writing as I thought I was. And I don't think it's something that... I'm not the best person to write it. It's not in my wheelhouse. And I'm just not really motivated to write it. And and this is kind of something I discovered with the last book. Um, kind of at the same stage, actually, of of writing it. In the beginning when I was trying to decide what I was going to do as far as kind of the plot of the book or the story of the book, you know, something I, I realized or figured out at that time is I really got to focus on things that I'm excited about and that I want to write. Because if I decide to make a major element of this book, something that I'm right now at the beginning, not wanting to write, um, <laughs> there's no way, right? You know, I mean, there's no way. You know, I'm I'm not going to make it through the whole book if if I haven't even started and I'm already not wanting to do it. Um, so I I got to find something that that I'm excited about, that I'm passionate about, that I'm that I'm comfortable writing. Um, which is not to say that you know I don't want to try to go outside my comfort zone at all. I mean, for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the, there's got to be a foundation of you know, something I'm excited to write to to carry me through writing a whole novel. And I feel like that's what I'm that's what I'm missing. It's basically exactly where I was at with the first book, which this is funny. Maybe this is just how I work. I don't know. Where, you know, I had the setting, I had the characters, um, and it was really deciding like what is what is the situation that I want to put my characters in for this book going to be. And that, for the last book, that was what I kind of took a while to figure out. And that's kind of where I'm at on on this book and what I've been pondering. And, you know, the last book, I when I got it, I knew it. When, when I came up with the idea that I ended up using, like, I, I knew it. Like, I the excitement was there. You know, and, and that's something, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but you know, something I use is kind of a, a barometer for 
ideas I have or, or things I want to write about is just how excited am I about it? You know, because ideally, especially for a novel, um, the main thrust of the novel, the main idea of the novel or the main situation that the novel is going to talk about or, or, um, the, God, I'm like all over my, my words today. Um, the main situation that, that the characters are going to deal with in the novel, um, that has to be something I'm really excited about. You know, other things that it doesn't so much matter, but that main thrust of the novel, I've got to be excited about it to, to carry me through the whole book. And, you know, critical balance when, when I came up with what that was going to be, like I knew it because I, I was instantly excited. I'm like, Oh, this, this would be a cool story if this happened. So, so that's what I need for this book. I, I have, ideas i have um parameters like i like i kind of know kind of what's happening in the setting what's happening in the lives of the characters and i guess what i'm really trying to come up with at this point is what is the wrench <laughs> that i'm going to throw into the gears of all this you know it's kind of like um you know i've done a lot of tabletop rpg podcasts um and i think even now um even most of my listeners, I think, are um, gamers uh, who've who found me through those podcasts, like Game Master's Journey or, or GM Intrusions. And you know, it's very much like being a GM and, and coming up with an adventure. And, and to kind of put it in those terms, you know, I've got you know, I've got my setting. I've, I've decided on my setting. I know I know who my player characters are. And, you know, I, I know what my player characters want to do, what they want to accomplish with their characters. And I'm now trying to figure out, you know, what is the obstacle I'm going to put in their way? Like, I, I know who my characters are. I know where they want to get. I know where they want to go. But in order for it to be a fun game, in order for it to be a good story, um, that can't just be easy because that's not interesting. Um, something, something has to get in the way. There has to be something they have to overcome to get what they want. And that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm trying to come up with is what is going to be this big wrench <laughs> I'm going to throw in the gears for this book. And yeah, I've, I've had some ideas, but I haven't had, you know, the idea that, that really grabs me yet. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be working on that. And, uh, you know, I'll probably approach it very similarly as I did the last book where, you know, first I, I just brainstorm ideas and, and if I come up with something I love, great, I'm ready to go. Um, if not, then the next thing I do is I start developing what I already have more. You know, I'll develop the setting some more and I'll develop the character some more, which I want to do that anyway. Um, and then, you know, that may give give me ideas and then if I'm still not sure what to do at that point, then I'll just start writing and just I'll follow my main characters around <laughs> until something interesting happens and see where it takes me. And uh, I, I may end up doing that anyway, just for funsies, just to see, see how it goes. You know, those of you that have listened uh, to all the episodes of this show, you know that with this last book, I, I experimented with discovery writing to a degree that I never have before. So this would be, you know, doing that even more, um, which is something I'm, I'm interested to try. 
so yeah, you know, working on agent queries, working on uh, concepts for this next book. Um, the other thing on the horizon, uh, especially this next week, I'm going to be working on is gearing up for RevPit, uh, which is a, a pitch party that's going to be happening on Twitter uh, later this month in in March. Uh, so there are various different types of of pitch parties on on Twitter, and this is funny. This is this and um, I think there are two there are two fellow writers on Twitter that I interact with on Twitter that it's kind of the only way I interact with them. So those two or three people and these pitch parties are literally the only reason I am still on Twitter at all ever. In fact, I just put the app on my phone. I haven't had the app on my phone for a few months, I think. Um, I just put the app back on my phone today so I can do this pitch party. But, uh, yeah, more and more I'm I'm seeing people that I know from Twitter showing up on Mastodon. And and lately I've been seeing like freelance editors that I know from Twitter and some small presses that I know from tr- Twitter showing up on Mastodon. So hopefully this migration uh is going to continue and and hopefully soon uh these pitch parties will be on Mastodon as well as Twitter or just on Mastodon so I I can finally be free of Twitter completely cuz Oh my God, it's every time. I mean, I only go on there maybe once or twice a week now. And it's like every time I go on there now, it's worse. It's like there's more ads, there's more bull crap every time. Uh, it's just getting worse and worse now all the time. But uh, anyway, RevPit, they're, they're all different. Um, what this one is, is you, it's like a contest and you pitch your, or you tweet your pitch on Twitter and these are watched, or no, sorry. I'm I'm getting confused already. <laughs> There's so many of these, and they're all different. Um, RevPit is, uh, you, uh, yeah, it doesn't really happen on Twitter. I'm not actually sure what the Twitter part of it has to do with anything that I think about. Maybe I didn't need to put Twitter back on my phone, come to think of it. Because, um, yeah, this doesn't really happen on Twitter, does it? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, the gist of this is, though, you you go through this application process and they have a group of professional editors who have donated their time for this. And it's a contest. And if you win the contest, then you get time with one of these editors and you get to send them your manuscript and they do a full edit of your manuscript. And And this is something that... You know, if you're going to pay for this, if you're going to hire an editor to do what what's called a developmental edit of your manuscript uh, for a novel, you're talking hundreds of dollars at least, um, often a thousand or more. Uh, especially if you're writing sci-fi like I am, and you're north of a hundred thousand words, um, it's expensive. Uh, it's really expensive. So you are getting that for for free. Well. I mean, sort of for free. I mean, it takes a lot to do this. Um, so it's not totally free. You, you got to devote, you know, quite a bit of time in, into doing this whole process. But you're not going to have to pay any money. And you're going to, if you win, you get this developmental ev- edit of your, your manuscript. So uh, it is a bit of a process to do this. Um, let's see, you got to have, well, you got to have your query, of course. Um, and you have to have a summary, two page summary, 
And you have to have a log line, which I think what they, I haven't totally looked into that. I think what they mean by that is like your, your little blurb, your little one sentence, you know, book in a nutshell kind of thing. Um, you need one of those. Um, and then there's a, an actual application where you have to answer some questions um, and all this stuff. There's this whole process you got to go through. So um, I'm gearing up for that, getting ready for that. It's kind of funny. One of the things you need for this is a two-page uh, summary, which I've really been kind of putting off doing that. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I just saw one of the agents that I'm submitting to, um, I kind of love this guy, because he posted this thing. I can't remember where I saw it now, if it was on his website or if it was on Twitter, where I saw it. But he was talking about how he doesn't actually... Cause, okay, so this is a summary. I've talked about this on the show before, but but when you're querying agents, some agents, um, before they ask for the full manuscript or with the full manuscript, they may ask you for a summary. Some agents will ask you for a longer summary where you spend like one to two paragraphs uh, summarizing each chapter of the novel, which that wouldn't be too bad. I don't think that'd be too bad to do. Um, but then some will want like a one or two page summary. And those I'm told, and I'm sure I haven't tried it yet, but I'm sure are a bitch to do because I mean, imagine trying to summer, summer, trying to summer, trying to summarize an entire novel in two pages or less. And you got to hit all the, like all the important things, right? You got to hit your, your plot arcs, your subplot arcs, your character arcs. It's all got to be in there. Uh, in two pages. So, yeah. And so anyway, this this agent was, was talking about how he doesn't ask for those because writing a two-page summary of a novel is its own skill set. It's really hard to do. Um, and it's, it's, you know, its own skill set you got to learn has nothing to do with writing a novel. Um, so, you know, you could be the best novel writer on the planet and not be able to write a two-page summary to save your life. Could happen. Or, or vice versa. You could write an amazing, amazing two-page summary, but your novel's horrible. Um, kind of like, like writing a good query letter is its own skill set. You know, you could be fantastic at writing novels, but terrible at writing query letters, right? So, so this agent was basically like, I don't ask for summaries because it's its own skill set that you have to learn. I know they're a bitch to write. And honestly, if I'm interested enough in your query that I would want a summary, I'd rather just read the first few chapters of your manuscript anyway. And, and honestly, after reading that, I wonder why more agents don't look at it that way. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, what really... I mean, I guess maybe, you know, sometimes you're able to reject a book based on the summary, but you're not going to be able to accept a book based on the summary, right? Like it might help you weed out some people, but you're still going to read, have to read the manuscript to know for sure, right? Unless the summary, I guess, you know, if the summary is a total mess, then I guess you just saved yourself some time because you can assume the manuscript is a mess too. But, you know, anything other than that, you're probably going to have to read at least part of the manuscript anyway. So, um, I suspect, you know, these agents are so busy 
um, I suspect for some of them at least, it's just a hoop to make you jump through to weed people out. And they may not even read the summary or pay much attention to it or even care about it. But it's a hoop to make you jump through. And all the people who don't send them a summary or the summary is really bad or they obviously phoned it in, they don't need to waste time with them anymore. And it's a way to weed people out. So I suspect that at least for some agents, that's what it is. And they don't really even care about the summary other than that you do it and that it doesn't suck. But I don't know. I'm not an agent. Um, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate that that they want you to do that. Some of them. And, and one of the agents in my top five wants a two-page summary, which is the main reason that agent is the last of the top five that I'm querying. Um, because yeah, I haven't been wanting to do it. Um, but they, for whatever reason, they, they want one for this rev pit. Um, so I guess I'll do one for that. I mean, I have to, if I'm going to participate in it, but at least then I'll, I'll have it done for the agents that want it as well. And, uh, as part of that, I'll also have the longer summary done because to my mind, in order to write a two-page summary of a novel, you first have to write the longer summary where you're going and summarizing each chapter in one to two paragraphs. Because, I mean, how else could you do it, right? Like, you, it, it's kind of like um, writing the query letter. Um, one of the advice that Query Shark gives is to start out and write this long, crazy query letter that has everything under the sun in it and then condense that down to what you abs- absolutely need um, to get it to the length that you want, um, is an easier way to approach it than to try to start out writing a 250 word query letter from the beginning. It's easier to start with more and, and shave off all the stuff you don't need. So I I think approaching a summary is the same kind of thing. It'll be a lot easier to write this longer summary of the whole book where I give a paragraph to each chapter and then take that and condense that down to two pages than to try to take a 116,000 word book and condense it down to two pages and in one go. So yeah, I'll be working on that next week. That'll be fun. And by fun, I mean not fun, but got to do it. So yeah, that's it. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm going to be working on next week, you know, getting ready for this, this rev pit, um, thing. So, uh, if you're doing rev pit, let me know, uh, Holler at me in the Discord and and let me know that you're doing it too. And and if you are, let me know uh, which which uh, editors you picked because there are uh, I don't know. It seemed like there was about a dozen or nine or twelve editors. I guess I didn't count them. And uh, you're supposed to pick three. I actually had a hard time picking three. Um, I had two that I thought you know, would probably be good fits for me. And then I just had to find a third. Um, and and really the reason it, it didn't even get into like personality or anything like that. Um, because uh, I guess the, one of the joys of writing a redheaded stepchild genre like sci-fi, I think the only thing worse to write than sci-fi would be horror. Um, I think horror is about the worst thing you could work, write as far as hardest to sell. Um, but sci-fi might be a close second after that. I'm not sure. But, uh, anyway, 
one of the things of that is, uh, yeah, a lot of these editors, like, they don't want to read sci-fi. So of the, actually, there are more than nine or 12, I think, but however many editors they had, of of them, um, I'd say half, about half, like, were just out because they don't read sci-fi. So, so it, it really helped me narrow it down. Um and and yeah, of of them, there were there was really only one that to me sounded like she was kind of into sci-fi and and like wanted sci-fi. And then there was another that was kind of like, you know, they're cool with sci-fi. And then the rest were like kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll read sci-fi if I have to. Um, is is how it kind of came across. So so yeah, I had to pick three. But there's really only two of them that I think I have any chance with just because I'm writing sci-fi, um, which, which is unfortunate. Um, but what are you going to do? There is one of these pitch parties that's just for sci-fi, but I, I think I have to re- wait a while for that one. Um, I think it actually happened recently and I just wasn't ready yet. So I'm going to have to wait um, till till the next round. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And yeah wish me luck going forward and yeah got my first rejection many more to come i'm sure all right well that's gonna wrap it up for episode 70 of Lex Out Loud. Thank you for joining me today. So great to uh, to have you along on my journey as a writer, hopefully one day to be a published writer. Um, and yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, if you would like to reach me, you can email me at lexoutloudpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Macedon or on Twitter, if you must, at Lex Starwalker. You can call my voicemail, 951-465-5391. And finally, you can join our community on Discord. You can find the links to our Discord community at lexstarwalker.com in the show notes at lexstarwalker.com slash LOL for Lex Out Loud. And yeah, join our Discord. It'd be great to have have you in our Discord. And uh, we talk about writing and we talk about all kinds of stuff, science fiction, uh, fantasy, gaming, all kinds of stuff, whatever people want to talk about, really. Discord is, man, they've really upped their game uh, in the last year. Uh, they have forums now, which, which I'm really, really happy with. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that they have forums, and I'm really happy with how um, the forums work. Uh, I kind of wonder if the forums will take over, because because especially in my server, I'm kind of like, you know, if if we would have had forums from the beginning, I probably wouldn't even have any of the other text channels. I'd just have the forum. Um, but because, you know, the server's been around for years before they released forums, uh, we have both, and it's kind of weird. And uh, yeah, I feel like there are people that only use the other channels, like the peanut gallery, and then there may be people that only use the forum, and and yeah, hopefully people aren't getting lost in the cracks in between. But uh, yeah, come join us on Discord. It'd be it'd be great to have you there. Um, 
And I guess that's that's it for me today. And uh, I just keep on keeping on and uh, try to come back with with another episode soon. Uh, I'm also uh, thinking about doing some more Game Master's Journey in in the near future. So uh, let me know if you'd be interested in that. And and uh, you know if I hear from people that that want to hear it, I I can uh, make that more of a priority. Uh, but of course, right now, top priority is, um, querying these agents and getting going on the next book and then, and then Lex Out Loud is next. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, for tuning in and hopefully won't be too long until the next episode. And until then, please keep writing. Keep writing.